Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pendant Shakespeare Julius Caesar Act 4. I am your director, Landon Bell. I am joined by... Your dramaturge, Colin Kelly. Act 4. Who also happens to play Brutus in this play. I, I love that's just like the most important thing is and Colin plays Brutus. In case you forgot it. In case you forgot it. Speaking of better actors... We have Anna Rodriguez as Antony. And if you were paying attention, because it was very quick, she is throwing darts at a board as they mark off these people that they're going to kill. And that wasn't in the original script. It wasn't in Colin's uh, dramaturge notes either. But I was trying to figure out a clever way to really set that scene and... Throwing darts at a dartboard really just stuck with this me as the thing to do. All right, so you heard it here first, guys. This this latest uh, travesty of Shakespeare is obviously responsible for landing this time, not me. <laughs> Send all your hate mail to him, not me. Him. Well, it's you, Derek. <laughs> it reminds me of the uh, the scene in X Men First Class where. Uh, Magneto's spinning the coin and he flicks it at the wall and it hits the guy in the forehead or, or the, uh, the picture of the guy. And that, that's kind of what I had going on in my mind with the darts. A similar situation. Anyways, so the actors in this scene are Anna Rodriguez as Anthony, Phil Dawson as Octavius, and Aiden Rudd as Lepidus. Woo. Who only gets a small appearance in this scene, but he, uh, he'll appear in, uh, Antony and Cleopatra with a slightly larger role. Yay! Same with Octavius, and of course the same with, uh, Antonia as well. So this is basically, you know, the, uh, tease of the, the sequel, of course. <laughs> right. Julius Caesar, the prequel to Antony and Cleopatra. I guess if you want to call it that. Eh. They really stand alone. That's the beauty of both plays. So it's more like Indiana Jones 2. Yeah, kind of. It's the difference between Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark and then the Temple of Doom. You don't Shouldn't have it be to Temple of Doom and Raiders of the Lost Ark since Temple of Doom came first? This is true. We're not nerds. Why do you ask, guys? But one came before the other, so that's why I listened to first. So. Well, the irony, because we're talking to Octavius about that, or Antony about that. Indeed. Oh, no more darts on the board. I got my fill of darts, and uh, in this next scene, I get my fill of uh, Humvees and water coolers, among other things. <laughs> Trying to think what else there is. There's a Doppler radar in this scene. Basically, you get the uh, the full appearance of walking into a uh, armory tent in a war. Water cooler included. No coffee, though. No coffee. Uh, I debated coffee, but they're moving around too quickly to stop for coffee, I thought. Well, you could just let the pot on in the corner. That's true. That's true. I should have thought of that. You know what? You know, this is the best thing about, you know, how 
you know, words have evolved over time. You know, do you just imagine, you know, for the first half of 80 Shakespeare play, Hey ho, sup ho, what's going on ho? Give the word ho! <laughs> so this is, a uh, just a second ago we heard Rochelle Hager as Lucilia. And this is Sarah Jane Clifton as Pindari. Who both are unfortunately not in this... Act for very long, but. Hadaria returns, right? Or is it Lucilia? Uh, Lucilia returns. Ah. <laughs> I know this play! They mean this night in Sardis to be quartered. The greater part, the horse in general, are come with Cassius. This is a lot funnier if, you know, you're. You listen to quick audio, because. Michelle Hager is, uh. Hager. I can't pronounce, sorry. Uh, is Jessica in that? Rochelle is just awesome in general. Her acting is always fantastic. Oh, and this is the lovely Marte Brangle as Cassius. Indeed. And I love the standoff atmosphere between uh, Colin's performance and Marty's performance because... I didn't expect that in their lines. I expected their lines to be confrontational, but not, uh, I don't even know how to put it. They're, they're, com- they're they are confrontation, confrontational, but they are very but they need each other. Yes. You know, they, again, they have to, you know, Brutus sets it with the, you know, speak your grief softly, I do know you well. But everyone should perceive nothing but love from us. And, I mean, you you read the play, and a lot of times I can anticipate what the performances are going to be, but I got this scene, and I, you both blew me away. I didn't expect it at all. You wronged yourself to write in such a case. In such a time as this, it is not meet that every nice offense should bear his comment. Let me tell you, Cassius, you yourself are much condemned... And Marty's Cassius, she, she also does this thing where she sounds like she's schooling Brutus. I, uh, an itching palm? You know that you are Brutus... And I love it. ...or by the gods this speech were else your last. The name of Cassius honors this corruption, and chastisement doth therefore hide his head. Chastisement? Remember, March? The heights of March, Remember? One thing I tried to play into as as we lead into this Brutus for the Ron is lack of sleep. So, which I think colors this uh, monologue a bit more because this is this is his own personal demons kind of coming out. Well, and uh, later in the scene we'll get a feel for that um, when he actually go, tries to go to sleep. And then can't. Not me. <laughs> I'll not endure it. You forget yourself to hedge me in. I am a soldier. I, older in practice, abler than yourself to make conditions. Go to. You are not Cassius. I am. And I say you are not. Urge me no more. I shall forget. Th- you have to wonder where <laughs> Shakespeare's inspiration for this entire act came from because there's no historical reference that says yes all of these things happened and Antony met with uh, Octavius and Lepidus and they spoke and then there's you know there's not a an account of 
Brutus and Cassius meeting in a tent, arguing, and then Brutus meeting the ghost of Caesar. Oh, um, but then sometimes there's references and letters and stuff, but I don't, don't know how much of that would have reached his ears. Right. Personally, I subscribe to, you know, you know, William just saw two uh, fifth graders arguing with each other about something, and that just led to him writing this scene. <laughs> well, what I was thinking of is there are a lot of ancient... Um, historic references to similar things happening. Um, and so you have to wonder if that was his inspiration. The point is, regardless of inspiration, it works fantastically. This is one of those acts where it's long, but you can still listen to it. And it doesn't feel wrong. Sorry, that is the most I think someone has used durst in a while. Durst. I durst not use durst too much. Okay, enough. I can raise money by vile means. By heaven, I'd rather coin my heart and drop my blood for drachmas. Than a ring from the hard hands of peasants, their vile trash by any indirection. I did send to you for golds to pay my legion. You denied me. Well, if Antonia hadn't given away all those drachmas, you could have paid them. Or not, as the case may be. This is true. Be ready, gods, with all your thunderbolts. Dash them to pieces! I denied you not. You did. I did not. He was but a fool at Oh, sure, Cassius. Blame the messenger. I'm sure the check was in the mail the entire time. <laughs> a friend should bear his friend's infirmities, but Brutus makes mine greater than they are. She tried to pay him Bitcoin. <laughs> you, you love me not. I do not like your fault. Someone divided them too low when they sent them out. Anyways. <laughs> Back to the text. That should be a challenge to some young dramaturge that doesn't work on dependent Shakespeare. They need to add Bitcoin to a uh, Shakespeare play. Uh, I'm good. No, I said that doesn't work on the Bennett Shakespeare. I know, I just said I'm good in general. I can live without that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I come up with these even crazier ideas when I'm mixing. So, funny story, but a friend of mine the other day showed me this knife that's about five inches long and opens with a locking mechanism. So it's about a five-inch-long blade, five-inch-long handle. And that's the kind of knife that I think Cassius has here. Yeah. Just big and ugly, and you're like, okay, that's a knife. Reminds me of some of the knives that they have at, uh... Of course, I live in Tennessee, so I'm not too, too far away from uh, Smoky Mountain Knife Works, which is a gigantic knife emporium around here. And they have knives like that. They have bigger knives, but, you know, as far as handheld knives go, yeah, I had the same kind of thing in mind. It's like, kind of like something you would see there. Do you confess so much? Give me your hand. And my heart, too. 
Oh, Brutus. And now we get the Cassius and Brutus shippers out. love enough to bear with That's one interesting thing about... What is that? Is that Brutus or Cassius? They'll think your mother chides and leave you so. What is their ship name? I, I want to know, guys. Get on it, Internet. Brucius? Catus? Castus. I like that. Castus. Okay. Castus. Alright. I really think we should stop, you know, drinking on these commentaries, Landon. It's off getting pretty obvious. This is Hannah Jenkondal as the poet, by the way. Yay. You know, it, it's a good thing we didn't put Paul Brueggem in there. That's the poet. Oh, man. Yeah, I th- if I recall correctly, I had to send you back the script and say, uh, this is an error. This isn't supposed to be Paul's character, because Paul died. Oh, that's right, because accidentally... Sorry, Search and Replace is a fun feature, guys. Yeah. I did not think you could have been Especially after I'd already cast Hannah. <laughs> Which Hannah does a very good job, because the poet in this scene is just pop in, pop out. We've got good actors for that. A lot of pop, pop in actors. Pop in, pop out actors are very... Those characters are very difficult to pull off right. And um, I love that we've got a pool of actors who you can just you can just choose someone, depending on the character, and they will deliver every time. I've often said there is there is no such thing as a minor role in a Shakespeare play. Every role is important, or has something about it that's unique. Yes. Even the citizens and the soldiers, they all have unique mannerisms about them, if you listen to their dialogue. Except, of course, when they're bang like sheep. <laughs> oh, see, now Brutus and Cassius are drinking. No, there's, almost, swear, there's almost something sacramental about this, I feel. I swear the only thing I was drinking was hot chocolate. It's the truth. Uh, I, I swear that my friend Jack Daniels did not come with me on this commentary. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Portia, art thou gone? No more, I pray you. But no, you you did uh, you you hit on a uh, interesting point. This entire scene is very uh, sacramental, a little bit. Well, then you have the reconciliation part. And then, you know, kind of moves on to this with, uh... Yes, that is Dave Morgan as Messalo. How do you double-check that? Yes, it is. Who does a fantastic job shifting away from, uh, being Frank Underwood to being Masala. <laughs> I'm just going to call his character from, uh, earlier Frank Underwood because it's fun. Okay. It's fun to do. <laughs> Are you out of her and yours? Uh, uh, no, my, my lord. Now, as you are. Aware, Actually, I think I, uh, I think I said last time I name dropped him that he was so Frank Morgan. Bear the truth I tell. <coughs> For certain, Frank Morgan. And by strange men. Sounds like a clothing company. Farewell, Portia. 
They must die, Masala. With meditating that, she must die once. There's the patience to endure it now. Uh, it's been a while so since I read it, but there, I remember reading a uh, Why Does Brutus... They mentioned that Portia is dead twice. And the first time, Brutus is emotional, and the second time, he isn't. And obviously, the interpretation that we have is... Your uh, reason. The second time it's mentioned, Brutus is being more stoic about his feelings. You know, he reveals his true self to his friend, but not to his men. Right. You know, great men, great losses should endure. Yeah, and that was that was kind of the thing I uh, felt that you were going for when I mixed the scene. Because, really... Any Shakespeare scene is usually about three or four or five scenes mixed together. <laughs> uh, because on a good they shift day. <laughs> in, on, a, on a good day. But yeah, they, they shift in tone, they shift in character. Characters pop in, pop out. Characters go from yelling to halfway calm. You know, the drinking, to planning battle, to omitted all the voyages of their life is bowed in shallows and miseries. Such a full sea to speaking wilts, people on the commentary crack jokes that aren't funny. No, that doesn't happen at all here. Nah, I'm just glad you've gone this long without mentioning Nickelback. That's called a brick joke, everybody. No more. Early tomorrow will we rise and hence. Lucius. My attempts at coming up with a quarterback comeback joke is not actually very funny. So. Good night, Titania. I'll let that one slide. Noble Cassius. Good night and good repose. Good night and good repose is like my generic sign-off for maybe the past three years. And yeah, that's from this. Everything is well. Good night. My lord. Good night, good sister. Good, good night, night, Lord Brutus. Farewell, everyone. Yeah, that that's what, what I remember uh, I was recording, and, you know, occasionally, sometimes things, you miss something when you're dramaturging. Give me the gown. So, uh, in, in the script, it says, good night, good brother, and I almost said that. What? I blame thee not, thou art overwatched. And we're still in the same scene, guys. And Claudia. Oh, this is the same scene all the way through. Right? Until the end. Like, we went from standoff, to yelling, to... To drinks, to... Hi, guys. Dave Morgan. This was... <laughs> drinks to Dave Morgan. That's not a natural progression. Oh, boy. I was sure your lordship So this is Will Shipley as Lucius, who has not appeared for a little while, but he is back. Well, he hasn't said anything in a little while. <laughs> it's like do this, do that. And he's Thank quite you. Got he's it. quite good in uh he's quite good in this act. This this is really the one where Lucius gets a chance to uh, reveal some of his inner character. And thou shalt sleep again. Which you know he's a he's a servant, so there's there's not a lot that he's going to show. But you do you do get a little bit. As well, I'll I, I think I, I should have mentioned this properly, but I think at one point I was I, I was trying to blend some elements from our our world and this world in. At which point it wasn't so much Lucius the uh, servant, but Lucius the intern. 
Yeah. So this song right here is uh, one part of what I was talking about where he gets to reveal a little bit of his inner self. Um, this is a little ditty that I uh, composed called Lucius Sleepy Tune. And I wonder where he got that title from. Yeah. Yeah, I just came up with that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, in, in the process of playing it so that Brutus could go to sleep, I figured... Mm, there, there's there's a golden opportunity to put something in this song that harkens back to other themes in the play. Mm-hmm. So if you listen carefully, there's a four-note chord that's also in the uh, Julius Caesar theme at the end during the end credits. See, now you're going to have to tell us where it is in the end credits, Landon. This is the problem with this. Let me see, let me see. It is. I don't remember. There it is, I think. Without, uh, without listening again. When I hear it, I will point it out. How ill this paper burns. And now we've entered a Christmas Carol. I mean, I think it's the weakness of my <laughs> Christmas Carol. It comes upon me. Jacob, Molly. This scene was hard to pull off. Because I kept wrestling with, well, do I do music or do I not do music? Or do I do ghostly sounds or not ghostly sounds? And so I eventually went with no music and ghostly sounds. <laughs> this is where I asked then, uh, what kind of what kind of chorus are you using there? Or is it a chorus? Is it a flanger or a phaser? Or? No, that this is uh, <clears throat> like a... I hate to say sleepy hollow. It, it, it's ghostly effects. <laughs> That's really all it is. Um, I didn't use any special filters on anything other than Jason's vocals. Well, that's what I meant. Which, Jason R. Wallace, by the way. In his last appearance in this play. And uh, since I've totally missed it, talking about the, uh, the tone. Uh, his performance, if you listen... It sounds different from his normal Caesar performance. Because uh, in his original Caesar performance, he was deaf in one ear. And he, he does a good job conveying that in audio. And of course, now that he's a ghost, he can hear everything. So you lose that uh, that sound of deafness. No, my lord, I saw nothing. He sounds very crystal clear, even though he's a ghost. It's great oh, acting, is what I'm getting at. Shall be done, my lord. This is Aiden Rudd as as Varro and Chris uh, and Claudia again. Yes. Which uh, I kind of just got a uh, uh, what is it called? Code Geass feel with the you know it, it shall be done, my lord. Yeah, that was All another right. one that was interesting to pull off, but it worked, and that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Ah. So now Landon's gonna be quiet because he's trying to remember where this cord was. Let's listen with him. <laughs> Pay extra attention to the credits of this. Okay, one. it's it's the next it's super one right important. Here. Colin Kelly as Brutus. It's the one right under where he says Colin Kelly as Brutus. Oh, I, I, I see what we're doing here. Okay. Yeah. No, that wasn't intentional. That wasn't intentional. 
Rochelle Hager as Lucilia. It's okay, you're just, you're in her Danny Elfman's just coming out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm just gonna put something that sounds like the same thing in all of my things. Mindy Rast Keenan as the first soldier. I actually wouldn't be opposed to being compared to Danny Elfman because the Elfman is awesome. Olivia Steele as Tintinia and Sarah Jane Clifton as Pindaria. Written by William Shakespeare. Few composers have a repertoire like his. You know, it's really good we give this William Shakespeare guy credit for whoever wrote this. Because <laughs> I'm sure otherwise people would be confused. It's not like it's in the public domain anything. And we're at the end. It's not possible, is it? Actually, it is possible. Somehow. All things and, come to an end. And without any more lame jokes, we will see you in one month for Julius Caesar Act 5. More lame jokes to come, we promise. Hopefully. Alright. Bye. Bye.